This is the PR Pod, the podcast that brings you expert tips for working in PR and finding your niche. With your host, Brooke Burns. If you work in PR, you're bound to be organising events, and this episode's guests have organised countless numbers of them. Anna Stark and Tahira Matthews, welcome to the PR Pod. Thank you so much. Hello. (laughs) Anna and Tahira join me from Stark Matthews, a PR agency in Sydney, to discuss creating and managing the guest list and RSVPs for an event. Can you put an estimate on the number of events you guys have organised between the two of you? We were having this conversation before we started. Um, we couldn't get to a number, but we know there's definitely hundreds and hundreds. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're big, they're small. Yeah, yeah. varying size, vary sizes. It could be sit-down, so, so many different forms, but a yeah. lot, a lot. Yeah, yeah, so we've done one-on-ones to large-scale, big-budget events as well. Mm. So. It's all fun, though. And do, do one of you enjoy events more than another or are there elements of events that you I that appeal to I think we both always really enjoyed events during the start of our careers. Events were a big deal. They were, we did so many more of them back then than we do now and they were always the most exciting part of our jobs. Yeah, it all kind of all came together in the event, but um, I think we both really love them. What I personally really love about events is the social aspect, is that... There's all these journalists and influencers you worked with throughout the year and that's one of the really easy times to catch up with them, see where they're at, say hello, put a face to a name. It's a really nice way to foster relationships. Mm, Exactly. Face-to-face time. Also bringing to life your clients, um, whether it's a product launch or service, whatever it is, really bringing that to life and having a brand immersion experience. That's really nice. The beautiful styling, the flowers, all those elements. Yeah. Mm, I love the, um, the physical invitation part of it and a little less, so now, because we, I think we've moved towards doing more e-invites or certainly way more invites than we used to, but um, there is something about the whole invitation process and finding the right invitation, especially if it is printed, what kind of stock it is and you know what kind of elements you're going to have on there and what's the envelope going to be like and it's going to be calligraphy on there. So all those kind of elements yep. of a print invitation, I really love. That's a really beautiful start to um, immersing your audience and your guests into yeah. what the event is actually going to be It sets those expectations, doesn't it? Exactly, exactly. So if you do have that beautiful calligraphy, they think, oh, it's something special that I'll be attending. Yeah. So we already have episodes that go into detail on event locations and event catering and budgeting for events. So I really just want to focus on how to get the guest list right for an event in this episode. So whether an event is an intimate dinner for 10 people or a massive launch party for 300 plus, what are the different factors you need to consider when you are starting to create an invite list? So for us, um, what we do when we're creating an invite list is think about, you know, what are we actually launching? What is the purpose? What is the objective of the event? And that we, then we take a step back. So it might be um, we work in beauty, so we're launching a new product, a new skincare product, for example. So we know that we need people who talk and write about skincare attending that event. So that we'll look at beauty media. Plus, we may um, have talked to our client about needing the fact that they want social coverage for this event. So with that in mind, we'll look at influencers who are relevant for the product, but also have the opportunity to promote this event with their audience in real time. Mm. And it's also about defining the number of people you want there. And sometimes you may you may work from the perspective of we want to have an event at this particular location that fits 20 people or 75 people and you have to work around that. And other times um, it's less about the space and more about well, how many people with the appropriate number of people that makes us feel happy or the client. Absolutely. Or... And also what you're launching or what your launch is about. It could be that there is an education piece at play. It could be 
again, looking at our industry in beauty, it could be a new ingredient that no one's ever heard of. If that needs a bit more of an education, some a more intimate sit down event will probably um, relay that information to your guests mm. better. But if you want to really bring to life a vibrant, fun, exciting brand, a, perhaps a bigger event, a big party to say yeah. yay <laughs> with all the elements that really speak to that brand at the party. So thinking about what the product is and what information you need to get across about the brand, the product, whatever it may be, usually that's our starting point. Mm. And the cost has to factor in too. Absolutely. I mean, Absolutely. What, you know, what's the return on yeah, investment? Yeah, if it's 150 per head for food and drinks, well, you might not be able to have 100 people there. You might not might be able to have 20 to fit into the total budget for Absolutely. the event. So that's another factor. Um, I think also thinking about the number of people you need at the event for it to be considered successful. So yeah. sure, yeah. the capacity might be 100, but your client or you may be really happy if there's 50 people attending. Yeah. So I think ascertaining that with your manager or client is really important in yes. advance. And setting expectations early. So yes. saying we would expect to have, let's say, 50 attendees based on what the event is, what the space is, what we're doing at the event. Is it something that people will want to attend? Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, in hospitality, I tend to always invite a guest, um, whether it's media. Um, it's generally media to my events. I don't really do the social influencer style events. Within beauty, are a plus one a normal thing? Is that abnormal? Generally speaking, not so much. Because um, we're niche in this area, we know all of the people that we invite to the events really well. And we know that they know each other. And so often it will be they'll just be invited if it's a special occasion kind of event we have invited a plus one if we wanted to make it more special um and have a different element to it but generally speaking the types of events we do we don't require a plus one and guests don't expect it where we might consider um inviting a plus one is when events are out of hours so we've got set work hours and we'll do events during those hours where there'd be a breakfast or a lunch or an afternoon tea when we get to a dinner or something like that this is people's own time so the fact that they can bring someone along whether it be their partner or their friend it gives an opportunity to bring them into their workspace and enjoy it together and i think that's probably the key difference is all of my events are outside of work yeah. hours you know so you're likely to get more attendance if someone can bring their best friend or their husband or their Absolutely. girlfriend they haven't caught up with in ages. It gives them a chance to have a little social experience while also, you know, enjoying whatever the event may be. Absolutely. And it takes away that whole idea that events can be daunting for some people and they've got to make sure that they've got no someone there. If they've got someone they can bring with them, it, you know, mm. it just makes the whole experience for everyone a lot easier and a lot more fun. In terms of getting numbers to an event, let's say it's a it's an event and the capacity is 100. Um, considering you don't tend to, well, let's say because your event's probably a little bit smaller in terms of their seated yeah, and daytime absolutely. event. So let's say it's a, a 40 person event. Yeah. What numbers do you invite to be able to get 40 and what factors do you have to think about as to whether people will RSVP or? I think um, we would generally invite about 70 for a 40 person event. So, so it's, just under double? Yeah, yeah. just under double. Um, but what we will do, understand generally is who we would expect to attend those events so as we said we work with a kind of niche group so we would generally expect that we'd have about 40 that would attend knowing that it's part of their requirements in their job to know about what's happening in the industry and then who are those additional people that we want to attend as well are they interesting influencers are they a celebrity are they an ambassador are they someone different that we want to invite along but definitely we always invite more to really reach that capacity number mm. yeah, you absolutely have to and you have to know that there will be 
some drop-offs as well. So you have to take that into consideration. And what do you keep in mind when it comes to drop-offs in terms of people either not being able to attend the event or dropping off on the night? It's much easier managing if people are not able to attend the event because then you can make allowances for that, whether it would be invite further people or um, redo a seating plan on the day or on the night, the drop-offs, that definitely happens and something to take into consideration. And you always need to have a contingency plan in place. And it may be that someone drops out, so you need to take one table off the end so it doesn't look like yeah. it's empty. Or it may be that someone turns up that didn't RSVP. So perhaps one of the internal team, one of your clients that was going to be seated, no longer is seated, so that person takes this. Mm. You just have to be really nimble and quick and make it work on the night. And I think if people know it's a seated event, you're less likely to get people pulling out on the day. I mean, sure, it happens if there's an emergency. Um, it's more the standing big party or There'd cocktail events where people yeah. look like that. Nah, no one's really going to notice whether I'm here or, or not. Or if it's a rainy day. That Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> the one thing you can't control in events, no. the weather. Yeah. Um, I think it's also important to consider the balance of people you have attending the event. Like you talked about, there may be medias, maybe influencers, maybe celebrities um, and adjusting the numbers of people you invite to ensure you've got the appropriate amount of people per section. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And that will depend on your brand or your product as well. Yeah. And, and like you said, what the objective is, if yeah. the objective is they really want to create a whole lot of social buzz and that's what they want. Um, perhaps media aren't the right attendees for that kind of event because with media, we're really focusing on the editorial side of things, but with influencers or celebrities, that's that social media factor. So that kind of goes into that. And in our industry now, we find that um, clients are really looking for a 50-50. So they want an immediate hit of social media buzz. Everyone's talking about this event. And then they want the longevity in terms of product coverage, whether it be in online, weekly, magazines monthly magazines newspapers so really you're talking to people from all different angles Mm. so when you're actually putting together the invite list and let's say you know it's a 40 person event so you're going to invite 70 people um do you have 70 a listers and by a list i don't mean you know um hollywood celebrities i mean people that are the most relevant to your event so do you have 70 of those and then you have another 10 or 20 of b and yes. c or Definitely. yeah absolutely yeah. so we'll always have our first going with the numbers we're speaking about we'll have our first lot of people that will receive um the invite if people decline and we look like that we're going to hit below 40 we will then have another list of uh, attendees that our client are happy with and we will go out to them um obviously with enough time to allow them to RSVP and so it doesn't feel like they are a last-minute invite. Exactly. Yeah, that's really important, isn't it? I mean, the last thing you want to do is go out with the initial invite two weeks out from an event and then it gets to three days before an event. You don't have enough people and then people, you know, people know what's going on. They know if they've been invited two or three days prior then they obviously are quite far down the list. So what time period do you like to go out with event invitations? How far in advance of the event? Um, Definitely a month prior in the industry that we work in because diaries get filled up and there are a lot of events in our industry. Um, So we'd like to, if we can't get the invitation out at one month, we'll go out with the save the date. Um, but definitely like to try and give four weeks notice. We have done them with three three weeks ahead. What's yep. the shortest we've done? Have we done a two-week ahead? We've probably be done two. <laughs> yep. That's interesting, putting together an event in two weeks. Um, but diaries and changes and launch timings and product availability made it so that we only had that kind of window. What we'll then say in that situation is we'll go out to media and influencers and talk about the fact that tight timings and actually make it clear 
that you are A list. This is a tight timing. Yeah. We're not putting you on a B list. It just happened that things changed. Mm, absolutely. I think that's important to do, isn't it? Mm-hmm. In terms of the um, process of acknowledging RSVPs as they come through, do you have an automated email that comes out? Do you personally? Uh, respond to everyone that RSVPs? What's your process? I think a lot of people like the automated system or a system altogether to do with RSVPs. It's not what we prefer. We like that personal touch. We like knowing that people RSVP to to hear at starkmatthews.com.au. They know they're speaking with me if it was me on the invite, if, they were, if it was Anna, vice versa. Um, but it feels like people, that personal touch makes people want to attend more. It doesn't feel like a bit of a faceless event. And we find that attendance is better in that way. And when they RSVP, we will reply to acknowledge that they've RSVP rather than an automated thing. I feel like if I was invited to an event and I had an automated thing and I felt mm, on the morning of the event, I'm not sure if I really feel up to it. If I knew it was just an automated thing, I'd be like, yeah, I might miss it. But if I knew that I had to email a person and be like, I'm not coming to your event anymore, Anna. <laughs> I would feel guilty about yeah. that. And it works for us. Yeah. And we're very much about those personal little touches and that's the way that we go yeah I agree I do exactly the same thing I mean even if it's a super huge event I just make sure I allocate more time of my day to do it and I guess that takes me on to the next question Um, do you have someone one person responsible for RSVPs and then they uh, monitor it you know I guess probably hourly or so within the first couple of days yeah as soon as RSVPs come in we have a list that we're monitoring and if you can come you're a green if you can't come you're a red Um, so we're monitoring that daily so that we can see exactly that thing we were talking about do we need to start switching to the B list how are we going for numbers have we reached capacity for our venue already so at what point do you assess and go right well we're not having as many people attending as we anticipated i mean in your industry what how are you talking about a couple of days after an invite goes out or a week or two you kind of get the gist of how many people are coming straight off the bat so what we've tend to do these days is actually send out invites instead of hard copies because it warrants a response straight away otherwise it's on someone's to-do list to rsvp Mm -hmm. if they can just respond straight away then they're done so we get a fair idea of numbers pretty early on and that allows us to have a bit more time if we need to go out to further um few people and i guess it also depends like we've mentioned a couple of times now on what it is the events for i mean for mine let's say it's a new restaurant launch there are often lots of them not during covid mind you but Mm pre-covid there can be a couple of restaurant launches going on Mm -hmm. so it can be hard to get attendance if there's only one or two key journalists that write for a particular publication so um so for me i if i'm sending an invite about a month in advance um i would probably have a good idea after that first week or yeah, so yeah. Mm, before I start going out to to be honest which list. is great generally people are pretty good at RSV, RSVPing they go to a lot of events and I guess respect our process that we need to know if they're coming which is really nice mm. do you once so one thing that I do is let's say I send out an invitation four weeks out and if it's a printed invitation I generally will follow that up a week later with an e-invite just in case it has gone missing in the post um, if it has been sitting on the desk, like you said, for uh, for a week, then at least encourages people to um, to do that. Do you do something similar, or what kind of point do you start to follow up with people if you've not heard from them? So we'll set an RSVP date on our invite, and usually on that date is when we'll do follow ups. In saying that, we're having conversations with these people all the time. So if we're talking about something else, we'll be like, oh, by the way, we've got that event on. Did you receive the invite? Are you going to come? So we do have those conversations well, but the actual follow-up, follow-up style, we have that on that date we have on the invite. 
that date on the invite allows us enough time that if we're doing follow-up and for some reason all of those follow-ups people aren't able to make it we have plenty of time to go out to new people so it might be say two weeks before the event so Mm -hmm. we do have a decent amount of time and it's not going to someone the day before and saying hey here's an event you've never heard of would you like to come that's a surefire way to show someone that they're not top priority absolutely so I do it a little bit differently. Exactly the same end point is if I've got an RSVP date, I usually put that maybe five working days before the event, but then I start to follow up with them three days out from that RSVP date to say, yeah. RSVP is shut on Friday. It's Tuesday now. I just wanted to follow up to make sure. So yeah. same end result, just mm-hmm. a slightly different way yeah. of going about it. So that's an option as well. One thing you should absolutely remember to do is just to save all the RSVPs that are coming through in your email inbox. Don't delete the ones that are no's. Don't delete the ones that are yeses just because you've put them into the list. Keep everything because it may be that a manager says to you or a client says to you, oh, why can that person not attend? And they may have given you a reason in the email or... um, There may be a dispute where someone says, I have RSVP'd and, you know, so, (laughs) you know, it's... I think you've got to be accountable, don't you? Absolutely. And look, we would always, uh, uh, we would absolutely agree with that. We also, in our working document, we have an ISOP document, like Anna said previously, where if they're attending, it's a green. If they're not, it's a red. At any time, any of us can go into that document, even if one person is managing it, which is what we have, to see where we're at but we also have the reason why because often you'll have a client who particularly loves a certain title or a certain influencer and if that influencer comes back with a no they're going to really want to know why because they are really keen to have that person there so if we can say it's actually because they're overseas at the the time yes maybe not this year Um, (laughs) but or it is because they've got an operation we've got that ready Mm -hmm. to go otherwise you've got to sift through your emails have your emails there as a backup in case anything happens to that list by all means but having that information at your hands in case you're asked any questions is really handy as well Mm. and one thing on that list it's so important to make sure you've got all the different cells perfectly in there you know whether if it's a print invitation you may be doing a mail merge from that so you need to make sure the correct spellings on there because you might have a calligrapher or you're printing out labels or someone's writing them for you so you need to make sure there's no spelling mistakes that you've got the correct addresses but even if you're just doing an e-invite again um if you're do you send them out personally if it's an e-invite or do you just bcc people when invites are going out depends yeah yeah Mm. Yeah, it varies depending on what the event is. Perhaps if it's a smaller event, it'll be a more personalized situation. Um, If it's a one-on-one, something like that. If it's a big event, um, big kind of launch party, it might be that we do it all at once Mm. and then do that follow-up conversation as well. So we've still got that personal touch. It may have just gone out Mm. altogether. And And I think because doing events well can often come back down to experience and you know you may have someone that's on your guest list as Vanessa but you know Mm. they love being called Ness or Nessie or whatever so uh, a junior may not know that and they're the one sending it out so it's it's very important I guess to tailor that list to make sure when those invites do go out the person is comfortable with how they're being addressed yeah absolutely and definitely that person that is managing that list needs to have excellent attention to detail (laughs) yeah absolutely yeah when it comes to having all the RSVPs in, so you've got your 100 people or your 40 people that are attending and that's the right number of people, uh, when, A, do you send a reminder out just to reconfirm information? When do you do that and what kind of information do you include in it? We always do that the day before. If it is a Monday event, which we rarely do, we will then do it on the Friday prior. Um we may even we may even send something depending what it is on a sunday night someone may yep jump in for an hour just so that people have all those details first thing on a monday morning 
Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, definitely the day before we find that it's topical because they know they've got the event on. It just reminds them of all the key details. So things that we would include in there is a reminder of the event timings, the location, um, one of our mobile numbers in case for any reason they can't find the venue or they get lost or are running late. Um, and so all of that information is handy for them for the next day. We used to do it a couple of days before, but we find that People get so many emails these days, so it's really nice to have Mm. that information super topical when they need it. Mm. And then they can ask any questions that they have as well. And location, I think, is a good one just to clarify if it's they've got to go up to the second floor or there's, you know, it's behind the red door, there's no number on it, or just being very clear so that you don't have to be dealing with all these phone calls at the, you know, event time. The easier you make it for people, the better your attendance will be. If, if it's a really difficult venue to get to, you really need to explain that to them because it could be that everyone's going to be late because everyone's walking around trying to find this obscure venue. Yes. Um, if yeah. they've got all that information, you can start on time. Everyone's there. If there's a presentation, it doesn't have to wait for the majority of people to come because everyone's already there, mm. that sort of thing. I think transport mind. links and parking as well. Absolutely. Yes. Um, social media handles in case there's hashtags yep. that are specific to that event. Um especially for mine, which are mostly seated events, I think clarifying that it's a 6.34, 7 o'clock seating because we all get caught up at work. And if it's yeah. a cocktail yeah. function, yeah. it maybe doesn't matter if you're 45 yeah. minutes late. Yeah, but really. if there's a seated component or there's a particular presentation or a performance or something, then I would make note of it starts at X time um, and there'll be this at this time just to make sure that people aren't missing out on Particularly that. Particularly for an after-work event yeah. where people yes, are absolutely. In terms of the day of the event and printing out the list, I'm sure all three of us have been in the situation a gazillion times when you get people cancelling or yep. can I change the name of my seated guest? So what what point do you print the list? Literally at the last possible minute as you're walking out the door, if yes. it's a printed list? Yep. Yes, absolutely. So the morning of, we do the email check to make sure that any changes or any last minute acceptance, any of those sorts of things are sorted. Um, we generally work from either a printed list or um, we have a soft copy on an iPad that we work with um, and then it's making notes as the day goes on you need to be on top of it you may have passed on your mobile but you may have got an email from someone and that's how they're letting you know Mm. something to do with the event so you need to have someone that is managing that throughout the day in the lead up to the event Mm. Um, I think also checking either checking with a person that will be marking off the list on the door how they would like to um, accept the pick do they want to look at first names they want to look at surnames they will look at company names so um or if they don't have that preference just being very clear with them you need to start here with companies and then the us and the first name or something like that to make sure that that list is not just because i know what it can happen sometimes is you're playing around with the list and you've got names in different orders and you press print and you get to the event you're like oh bugger (laughs) yeah these are all over the place and there's no order to them unfortunately so yeah yeah. i think with four of our some of our more like seated style events or our our size events like 50 and under we generally have a list that has their name and an image of them next to it and so at any time you can we know very well most people that are coming Mm -hmm. but perhaps it's a new influencer that we're working with the first time you know that little image just helps that when they come in what we do because we're in niche in beauty and we know people we speak to them every day if we go sorry who are you as they arrive that's not a really great look on us no so we need to be like hi natalie thanks so much for coming good to see you tick yes and that's an art really being at the door because i could have an event and i deal with someone you know every week or every couple of weeks on email but they haven't come to my last three events for whatever reason so i haven't seen them for a year and a half or two years and i've only met them once before and 
I mean, it's really embarrassing when you're looking at the list and you know who they are, but you don't know what they look like. Yes, yes, yeah. absolutely. And you want to try and avoid that. So the beauty of the internet is that these people that you haven't met, you're able to find through their LinkedIn or through their social media, a little image of them so that you can keep that pressure of mind. It's also good for your clients to have an idea of what people look like. We speak about these people all the time, mm-hmm. but what they actually look like. So when they see them, they've got an idea of who they are as well. Mm. Um what do you do in the circumstances when people turn up to an event? So I guess there's two scenarios. One, they turn up to an event, they're not on your guest list, but you recognize them as being important enough that they should come in, whether it's in a seated event or cocktail event. How do you manage that? And then secondly, what happens when people turn up to an event and you know for well that they have not been invited or you don't have the capacity for them and they were a B list or a C list or something? So you're not going to accommodate them. I think the nature of working in PR is you need to always be very nimble and there are things that are going to happen that you need to smooth over to do with events and it may be something outside your realm, but you are always thinking on your feet. So there's there's always little situations that you'll manage like that. If, for example, someone arrives that hasn't RSVP'd, but like you said, is very important, you need to go and speak with the kitchen, let them know that there's going to be another person, find an extra spot for them. If that is not able to be done, someone who was seated is no longer seated and that would be an internal person. So yeah. perhaps you're from your client, there's four of them there. Someone else them, gets yeah. you booted out. Yeah. And yeah. it's about giving that impression of, oh, we don't have you down on this list. Don't worry, we'll try and sort it out. It's, it's more about saying, it's, oh, thank, and we're so thankful that you can attend yeah, this event. Lovely it's to see you. It's never a hassle that they're there. Never. It's yeah. an exciting surprise that they're there in some yeah. some instances. Yeah. A lot of cases, um, people actually think they're RSVP'd. So it's not that they're turning up unannounced. It's that they actually have got lost in their emails, thought they'd done something, put it in their diaries. So as far as they're concerned, they're doing the right thing. So just being really accommodating and basically in the world of PR and events, you just got to make it happen. Oh, yeah, mm. absolutely. I've had an event in my television days um, where there was a particular person who used to turn up to events um, and he was never invited to them because he was, this was in the early stages of bloggers and he was not an influential blogger. He was just someone who was a bit obsessed with celebrities. So he would turn up at all these events and everyone would know very full well that he wasn't invited. He was so famous. Yeah. So in those circumstances, it it was appropriate to say, hi, I don't even know what his name was. I'm going to call him Tim. Hi, Tim. Lovely to see you here. But as you know, you weren't invited to this event <laughs> and we don't have the capacity to have you here. So, you know, I'm sorry, we're not going to be able to accommodate you. Um, so I think in those circumstances, it is okay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and the bigger style events, there's more likely people will be to do those sorts of things. We actually had one that just came to mind. We had a really big influence event at Watson's Bay and it looked like a big party. And it really, that was the vibe of the event. And so there were some onlookers who really wanted to be part of this party. There were some gorgeous women at this event and these two men, they really wanted to get into this party. And we had to very politely multiple times tell them, this is an influence event. We know that you're not on the guest list, yeah. unfortunately. And they'd, they'd make up these things, but at the end of the day, we knew it was on our list. And <laughs> Take we knew off that their hat. Men, they just want to see the gorgeous women. And yeah. They weren't coming in. <laughs> Try as they might. 
there's a couple of things that can help with attendance. One is sorting out car transfers mm-hmm. for people. Do you guys do much of that in beauty? Absolutely. Yes. So we would say majority of our events is we provide transport. For um, media and non-media? Yeah, um, all attendees. So they generally have the option of driving or what we do now is actually provide Ubers. Mm-hmm. And what they do is they just jump into their own Uber account and we link it through that our account is on their Uber. So it's just like booking an Uber as you would generally do it. So super simple, but it's then charged to the event rather than themselves. And yeah. then how do you manage that then when they don't remove those details out in the next 17 so, hours? You know, <laughs> all we account. actually have a lot of control. So yeah. we can turn it on at a certain time, turn it off at a certain time. We actually put caps on how much money they can spend oh. in the Uber. And the other thing is you can actually watch people coming. Yeah. So mm. we can be... Mm. They're just around the corner. Yeah, yeah we can be. Yeah. Oh, someone minutes. hasn't even got on in an Uber yet. Mm. Like, we're there at least half an hour away. Mm. There'll always be one person who really struggles with it. Oh, absolutely. And, and we just reimburse them. Yeah, right. What's the beauty of organising Ubers or transfers on behalf of your guests? People your dropout rates yeah. will decrease dramatically. If you are not providing transport, it's so much higher in terms of dropout rates. Mm. So that means another thing you've got to factor into your budget, isn't it? Yeah, you know, absolutely. A, a rough and often, point. often clients will question us on the transport and say, can't they get themselves there? And we'll say, you're, you're, putting, you're spending so much money on this event. You want to add mm. this little expense to ensure all your guests are making use of that money that you spent on this event. Yeah, absolutely. So it's about $1,200 usually. And I guess it also depends on whether they're attending in the middle of the day. I mean, yeah, if it's absolutely. media, they're probably going to be located in a particular area. So you exactly, know those Ubers exactly. are not going to be hugely In saying expensive. that, we have done Ubers from things like the Shire before. Yeah. Because and it's important people, you know, the beauty editor of Body and Soul lived in the Shire. Yeah. And everyone wants her there. Yeah. So that's what you do. Yeah. Um, one thing I don't do in hospitality, and maybe other hospitality PR agencies do it, is I don't pay for people to attend events. Do you, Is that a beauty Thing? As a rule, generally, no, we don't pay people purely to attend an event. Um, having said that, though, perhaps there is a celebrity or an influencer that is attending an event as part of a wider campaign they are doing with the brand and part of their fee that may include social media or print advertising or whatever, media time, editorial, maybe an event fee included mm. in that. But that would be the only way that we would do it. Having said that, I know that countless other people, that's a method that they choose to use. So I think probably the last thing that you should keep in mind when you are managing invites and a guest list is the day after and sending an individual email to everyone that attends. Is that something that you guys do? Yeah, absolutely. Um, We do a couple of things. So we send an image of themselves at the event because we want people to put it on their social media. Um, What we've actually done even more so recently is DM them a photo in real time so they can put it up straight away. A really great opportunity for them to straight away go, I was at this event, look at me, put it on their social media um, and obviously leveraging that event straight away. We then in the follow-up email the next day say, hi, thanks so much for attending. Here's some information on the product. Here's some images of the product. Here's a press release and here's some images again. Just of them at the event so we've covered them off in all different touch points or it may be oh we were having a conversation about yes. this at the event here's some further information on that like i mm. mentioned and i think and i completely agree with that point i think it makes them feel like they are really valued Absolutely. attendees yeah. so i think ask the team you know if you think well actually i didn't chat i didn't chat much with journalist x 
say, hey, did anyone have a chat with them? Is there anything that I should mention in the follow-up email? Just to add that kind of personal touch to it. Absolutely. Yep. At the end of the day, it's all about relationships. Mm, it is. Thank you so much for joining me today, ladies. Thanks for having us. Thank you. I hope this has given you some good tips for putting together and managing a guest list for an event. There's more episodes dedicated to events on the podcast. Just head to the episode section on the website and you'll find them all in the events category. Thanks for listening to the PR Pod. For more expert tips on working in PR, head to www.theprpod.com.